It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> He's talking already, Peter. Yeah. Wait, wait, I've got to do my introduction. We're on air. <laughs> it's the Arsenal preview. It's Peter, of course, it's me. Uh, we have had a couple of beers, but what the hell? And we're in the company of a man who's drinking a cup of tea, by the looks of it. I am it's drinking Matthew. <laughs> It's Matthew Mattioli. Pencil show, anyway. <laughs> it's Matthew Mattioli, our regular Arsenal, fairly regular Arsenal fan guest. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? Hi, Russell. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, yeah, as you said, I am drinking a cup of tea. I went to the pub for the first time in over a year last night, so... Uh, a little bit ropey. All day recovery then, yeah? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's used to it anymore, are they? No, at one point in and I was uh, already feeling a little bit wavy, so uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had the same problem. I went to I went down to Brighton for the game on Tuesday and ended up having about three or four pints. And you know what happened? I started thinking we'd beaten Man City. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> I was so hammered. <laughs> I still thought it when I got home. It's crazy. Oh, dear. No, no. it's great to have you with us um, ahead of, of course, the final game of this rather crazy, tumultuous, compressed, weird, appallingly refereed season. Um, and we've got you guys at the Emirates. You're a season ticket holder at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you've been increasingly frustrated by playing us, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us about your, your, your angst at playing oh. Brighton. I, I don't think I've seen Arsenal beat Brighton at the Emirates. Yeah, I think what you've put is it your third, fourth season in the Premier League now, and I think we beat you in the first season. But I have no recollection of that whatsoever. So either I wasn't there or I had a great time. I don't know. Which. It was pretty ordinary two 0 I think, from your point of view. I think we hit the post at one point, but it, <laughs> yeah. from, probably from your point of view, it probably been a pretty average. You know, for us, it was the first trip to the Emirates to watch Albion for a long uh, ever. But yeah. for you, it probably was a, like. We've beaten the team 2-0, who we expect to be comfortable. It was a bland 2-0 defeat, I remember. I think, if been there, I think if I'd been there, I'd have remembered, because, you know, with you guys you know, being Brighton fans, it would have stood out a little bit for me. But, um, but yeah, so I think I might have missed that one. And then since then, we drew against you to kind of knock our hopes of getting Champions League football uh, was it the season before last. And then yeah. uh, last season, you... Just two one, wasn't it? Two one, yeah, and that was <laughs> great. <laughs> so yeah, Brighton are a bogey team, absolutely a bogey team for us. Um, okay, but it, it does amuse me because obviously growing up in North London, I had a lot of Arsenal fans around and Tottenham fans around, and used to take the piss out of Brighton. So beating Arsenal did quite amuse me. But the fact that we beat you, the first team we beat in the top six, big six teams, we beat all full stop and also away was quite funny because having grown up with all the Arsenal yeah. fans taking the piss was quite amusing for me. Also, beating Man U every time beat was quite amusing as well when we beat them twice at home. That was pretty amusing as well. And just kind of like, because a lot of people when I was growing up supported Arsenal Man U 
in my school because they were like, man, you were the, the big team at that time. Yeah. And Arsenal were the local team who were the big team. And it was like, yeah, both of them were... Yeah. No one really kind of seemed to like find it... You know, everyone seemed to find it quite funny to support the team in League 2 as it was then or whatever. <laughs> No one's laughing now, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) So a load of Arsenal fans are bullying you. They were all picking on you, the Brighton fan, in North London. That's like shooting fish in a barrel, isn't it? (laughs) It is. But the fish has jumped out the barrel and bitten you on the (laughs) ass. I laughed at my Barnet fans at one point when he used to beat us 3-0 and 2-0 at that time as well. So (laughs) it didn't really take that much, to be honest. I mean, Barnet fans were laughing. The Oxford fan who I went to school with was laughing. You know, Brighton were basically bottom of the, the the whole like barrel by that point. They were like we were like terrible. So it was literally any fan of any club pretty much laughed at me. It was almost Wingate and Finchley fans pretty close to laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> very local well, reference there to North Very North. local, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, folks, Peter is a born and bred North Londoner, of course, in case anybody doesn't remember. We usually reiterate it on a regular basis. I'm I usually able to say the word reiterate as well. Never actually lived in Brighton, but somehow I support Brighton all my days. How did that happen? My dad, it's all his fault. He, he's from he's from Brighton, obviously. But yeah, I kind of it would have been very random otherwise. I just thought, like growing up, I fancy supporting Brighton. <laughs> yeah, just giving yourself a hard time. They're a random like third division team. I'll support them rather than <laughs> from there. So I had little choice realistically. And I've, to be fair, over I never really regretted it. It's like, uh, yeah, it's well, you a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and mainly downs, but more ups recently. So, yeah, there are there are some random affiliations. There's a guy from the forum days before Twitter who's a Brighton fan, and he lived in deepest darkest Suffolk, somewhere right in the countryside. Called, guy called Jimmy, and I asked him why he was a fan. He said, well, he, he was never really engaged with football that much, um, but. Vaguely speaking, Ipswich was his local team. And once he went to a game, Ipswich Brighton, he was impressed by the away fans. And on that basis, he just tagged into the Albion. And he, he went to a home game at, um, I think it was at Woodding. And he got the train, he had, he had to get a lift to the bus stop. I kid you not. I think it was like a 10-minute drive to his local bus stop to then get another bus to another bus or something, to get a train, to then go to another train to Ipswich, to then go to Liverpool Street in London, go across London, then down to Brighton. He had to stay overnight for a, a game at Brighton. He lives in the south half of England, but he has to stay overnight. That's commitment, to be fair to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's madness. I'm going to give it to him. Um, like, he might not be the most avid Brighton fan in the world, but that, to go to a game, that is commitment. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And fair play to him. I don't know if he's still a fan. I'm, I've lost touch with him. If you're listening, Jimmy, which I severely doubt, but if you are, fair play to you and get back in touch. <laughs> Contact <laughs> the show. actually listen to our randomly to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? You I never really know. There, Jimmy. I really hope you are. Yes, absolutely. Don't don't turn to Ipswich. They've got money coming behind them now. You know, just watch out. Um, but anyway, no, Matthew, it's great to have you with us. Um, looking at the head-to-head record, we've won five games. There's been just four draws and 13 wins for Arsenal. It's not actually that many games, is it? 22 matches. Really. No. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to know what the recent, the very recent uh, head-to-head was uh, for Arsenal-Brighton. Because I think... I think- I'm not sure you would. Yeah, upper hand. I was going to say, are you sure about that? <laughs> um, it's one more than you since the Premier League, but like 3 2 2 or something like that. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty close. It's not like yeah. it's, we've won all seven or something like that, but I think, it's, I think it was, it was, three, it was, it was better, much better. I think we hadn't lost from the first game until the last game. So in between, we were five unbeaten and then we lost oh. in December against you guys. Yeah. yeah, we had we had the cup games, of course, famously, didn't we? Um, actually, we had one in 1988. We lost 2-1 in 2013, which was the first game at the Amex between us. Uh, you guys won 3-2. Do you remember? That's the one that, with the... the one? Yeah. You, yeah. In fact, that's the game we went down to together, wasn't it? Yeah. With a bunch of us. Yeah, yeah Definitely outplayed, yeah. Le- yeah. Leonardo Joa <laughs> diving header was that was that the game? Yeah, it was a it was his debut, a diving header, and we then lost three two two seasons later, like that, which was a lot less close because exactly. I think in that three two we were leveled twice. And it was all very tight, whereas I think Arsenal were always well ahead in the three two that we lost 
under in the puppier season and we we were like three one down and two nil down and it was like we kept getting back into it but never quite level. What I remember about that was Koscielny was playing uh, in defence. I think it's this was the second of those three two games and I remember thinking I think we had Craig McHale Smith. Maybe it was the first one actually. I'm not sure, but we had Craig McHale Smith and I thought. He seems quite pacey, and we're going to see if he can test the defence. And Koscielny seemed to be just catching him up and overtaking him in slow motion. And I thought, <laughs> shit, players in the Premier League are actually quite fast, aren't they, <laughs> by default? Mm. I think the big thing, the second one, was that I think Chris O'Grady scored, which... God, no, you didn't let Chris O'Grady <laughs> score, did you? Oh, my God. <laughs> he didn't score many for us in the championship, so... Matthew, we had a song called if, if O'Grady scores were on the pitch. This yeah. wasn't like an end of season thing. This is a general thing. I think that was the, I think that was the same. I think that was the Brentford away when he did score. It was the third round. And then we won at the to Arsenal and he scored again. He, he obviously, I think he scored more FA Cup goals that season than league goals. Magic of the cup. Yeah. Any, any, Absolutely. Any, anywhere against anyone. But yeah, it doesn't then, go very well for the offence that season because he did Chris O'Grady because I mean, I was nothing against the guy. He gave his all and he was like very full of effort in, but he got three goals all season. I think two of them were in the cup. Hmm. So not was great, put it that way. Well, this is why I've got a slightly different impression of Arsenal because your, your your memory of it is obviously the recent angst of not getting results you should have done against us. But we had those two cup games where we felt we could have got the upset and didn't. Then we finally got in the Premier League 2017, so another two years later. And you beat us again, um, 2 0 yeah. at your place. Obviously, we, we talked about that game, the one you've forgotten or you weren't there or whatever. And then eventually, we got the 2 1 at home. So finally, we got one win out of four. We then had the one all draw at the Amex the following season. Uh, both games were one all actually mm-hmm. that season. And then we've had, obviously, last year we, could, we did the double, which is the one and only time we'll probably ever do the double over Arsenal. So we aren't going to milk that one. Both scores <laughs> 2 2 1 again, actually, which is interesting. So I wonder if I that, that means you're going to beat us 1 0. Someone else milked that quite a lot and it is missing at the weekend, who was, would have been got a really good reception from the tent from the Arsenal fans in the stadium, who's uh, missing at the weekend. Who Le not Petit really Chitel. Uh, yeah. Arsenal. Oh, is he not going to be there? No, he suspended at the weekend. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> in fairness to, in fairness, that whole thing, like Gwendozi's a bit of a dick. So, he should have got banned for that. I mean, I know he never played for you again afterwards, but it was ludicrous that he strangled Mope basically and didn't get. Then the FA didn't react to that. I mean, if ever there was an example of a top six bias, that probably was it because he, how on earth he wasn't charged after that for, and yet Mope got charged and got an extra game, which means we could get. Weekend for apparently saying you're a fucking joke to reverie at the weekend. Coming yeah, in. this is the irony. He, yeah, he, he called him a fucking joke. And the irony is he's banned from the Arsenal game for having done the same thing that Guendouzi got away with doing against Arsenal yeah. in the same fracar that we were talking about earlier. One of those things. He's not been playing that well, to be honest. And... Guendouzi will be playing anyway, so it's fine. True. No. And and we didn't need him to beat Man City. <laughs> <laughs> Did I mention the fact we beat Man City? So, um, yeah. So, who knows? I think what we what we know from the record books there is that it's it's anybody's game, isn't it? Really, you guys have had a bit of an inconsistent season. Tell us about it. What what's your take on the season, Matthew? Ah, uh, it's it's been kind of some some good points, but a lot of bad. I think you know. We, I think it's it's a season that's been kind of defined by. A really, really poor run of form. Um, I think it was just before Christmas, like, you know, the first couple of games of the season were okay, and then we didn't win again for like 10 or 11 games or something stupid like that. And that has just kind of defined the rest of the season. You know, if if we had even a kind of mediocre patch um, instead of losing or drawing all those games at that point, we would be challenging for probably Champions League spots at the moment, but we're not because of it. It's, I don't know, it just, it, it feels like we're still a squad in transition um, and a club that I think needs an overhaul, really, um, in terms of management, in terms of, you know, the people who own the club, who run the club. It, you know, you need people there who want Arsenal to really succeed and I don't think we've got that and I think that's kind of 
it shows it comes through on the pitch ultimately you know if, if you're not um gonna put the invest the time and and money into the club then um it's not they're not going to succeed not in not in today's today's game unfortunately so well, yeah you could be suggested takeover and it doesn't sound like it's that likely because the, the Crunkers want to kind of keep it but yeah, welcome the the talk of the table. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. You know, the guy he seems to be. Well, he says he's an Arsenal fan, so he's been an Arsenal fan his whole life. He's got you know the backing of Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp apparently, and you know those kind of big Arsenal names. So um, I think anything really at this point in time, I just want I just want some change at the club. It's it's um, you know the Cronkies view it clearly they view all of their sports enterprises as um, vehicles for making money for themselves it's and that's the way they view sport it's a business for them and and that might work in america and you know with their franchise model but i don't think it translates well into um into sort of british football european football generally you know there's a lot more history um, and there's a lot more tradition and kind of there's more of a culture around mm. um, football in Europe. And um, yeah, so it just doesn't work. And owners like that really shouldn't be in charge of these clubs. And you've got to think, are they fit and proper to to own clubs? No, I would say. Um, but obviously the Premier League and the FA deemed otherwise. So We, we all know what a fit and proper test is, so it's a bit of a joke. I mean, no one regards that as being... I mean, yeah. you just need to not be a convic- convicted oh. felon, basically. Exactly. I mean, well, look at the Berry and what happened with them. I mean, the guy who was allowed mm. to own them and yeah. what he done previously and how he then basically put them into the base of what they were out of business. I mean, you had to look at that to see what a fit and proper person needs. You have to look at, like, was it Cellini when he was at Leeds? As he was a, the mm. wrong type of fraud he was convicted of or something like that. So he was allowed to own Leeds. You know, it's it's mm. basically a, laugh, a, a laughable, the whole thing. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, look at Blackpool as well. I'm not, I, I don't want to say yeah, the yeah. first name because I can't remember which one's which. There's a father and son ownership thing. And the Oystons. The main guy's the father of the Oystons. And the, the father is a convicted rapist. You know, how is someone like that allowed to take control of a club? I think if you've got a criminal record for something serious, yeah, you should, it doesn't matter what, whether that's related to football business or not. Why, why the hell would someone like that be? If, if I imagine if you are a rape victim and you your club has yeah. a convicted rapist as its owner. If I'm honest, how do you support- it, all, it all makes me so glad. That, I mean, right now, first of all, Dick Knight, who, while he wasn't the richest man ever, was a fan and was supporting, you know, to get the club going during the years. And mm-hmm. then I've now got Tony Bloom, who is probably, the I would say, the best chairman. You could argue Leicester, probably, as, a, as an alternative. I think they've been yeah. what they've done Leicester. But there's not really any other competitors, I don't think. Tony Bloom, I think, arguably the best chairman in the Premier League. And he's, I just, yeah, he's just uh, done an amazing job. He's invested money, he's done it the right way as well. So he's got all the infrastructure in place. He's not throwing money at all the, you know, the heavy wage of players. He's brought in, you know, players for the future. He's, he's done an incredible job. And yeah, I mean, I as much as obviously you guys are hiring us in the league and that sort of thing, I wouldn't swap our, like, structure and our ownership for anything, really. It's yeah, genuinely, you know, brilliant. And even if we went down, I'd say the same thing because mm. Tony has the best interest of the club at heart, and that's all that matters to me. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and I, I think that that's the kind of thing that makes a difference in the long long term as well. You know, even if Brighton did go down next season, say you, you'd expect, I think most people would expect Brighton to come back up again. And I think what you've got is that, you know, you're talking about that structure. It's a great foundation actually to really kind of push, you know, once you've got all of that in place, you can, you can push the kind of performances on the pitch forward as well with it. And, you know, attract, um, you know, different types of players, different types of managers to the club, you know, and maybe think about, you know, your, your youth set up and kind of getting that firing and getting that, getting great players through the club as well, you know, and you've, I think I agree. That's why the structure is the 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 way it goes down is really key. Because we, yeah, if we lose Potter, which I mean, we all do at some point if we improve the point. I think he potentially could. But even now, he's talked about we could finish seventeenth on Sunday, and he's linked with like Tottenham and that sort of thing. But they've got the structure in place with we've got structure in place with Paul Barber, with with Dan Ashworth, that sort of thing. That actually means that we'll have a position where we probably got people lined up in our minds that could come in if we wanted them, you know, if we needed someone. And there's, there's, a, there's a, you know, it's not like you lose manager, like, oh my God, what do we do from here? There's, 
there's definite continuity and they, they know what the plan is and yeah it's mm. it, it feels like a different club in that sense like we're, we're so much ahead of where we were like even five years ago it's like that when we were appointed Sammy Hookier and thinking that's a little bit and going almost going down yeah we were six seven six seven years ago that was whatever but we've done mm. so, yeah we've, we've moved on so much in that time that we're now a kind of properly run Premier League club and yeah, yeah the, and there's even in players, I mean, there's talk of obviously Basuma is linked with you guys amongst other teams. And we have players who can come in now. We're not just like going to have to panic and buy a new replacement. We've got players within the squad who could come in and do the same job, not necessarily as well initially, but certainly longer term as well as him. And it's it's, it's a proper club now. It's not like kind of we're yeah. because we're imposters. We actually feel like we're a proper Premier League club now. And I think the, the good thing I like is there's a balance. Because, I mean, I dragged you down to a game at the Amex, didn't I, Matthew? I think it might have been that game. Do you know we went in the shop and I got chatting to a guy and you said, oh, who's that? And it was the fitness coach or something. And he'd been to a Seagulls Over London meeting. Do you remember that? You, you chat with know. most people at Brighton. Yeah, <laughs> Russell. So I can't remember that specific. <laughs> but I remember you thinking, I think it was the Gillian. It must have been the game where we had that, that uh, rather strong beer in the evening I was, yeah, I was telling someone about that the other day actually yeah, was, uh, yeah actually tell us before I carry on with my bit go on tell us about that um so I, I think I've been to Brighton with you a couple of times but anyway we come we drove in or no we got training and um went to the evening star is it that pub and there were people yeah. walking around with like these half pints of what looked like muddy water that's the best <laughs> way I can describe it and um you said, "Oh, well, they look interesting. I wonder what what they are." So uh, you went and spoke to someone. You come back it's like, "Oh, it's a it's a fourteen percent special ale brewed um, by the, is it Dark Star the brewery?" Yeah. Um, and you said, like, do, "Do you want one?" I was like, "Oh yeah, sure. We'll we'll give that a go." Expecting a half pint of this fourteen <laughs> percent um, ale. And as I went and found the seat, you came back to clients of the stuff and it knocked me for six. <laughs> I think I fell asleep at the game. It was, it's not a yeah, good you way. Did, to yeah. Yeah. You fell asleep after about 15 minutes, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wasted. <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the Gillingham League Cup match. It was our first <laughs> evening game ever at the Amex, actually. Yeah. I think I was yeah. at I was at Brighton's first game as well at the Amex. Did I go down for you for that one as well? Was it the Tottenham game? Did you come to the Maybe Spurs? not. Maybe, not. Maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Oh no, hang on. The Gillingham game might have been before the no, Doncaster was the first, proper, the first game, proper game. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, yeah, the Evening Star is a great place, and I do, I, I don't do things by halves, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> But, oh, no, we talk chatting to that. You went there, um, did you, with your joke? You went there. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we were in. The, we went in the club shop for one of the games, and Matt Miller was there. Who was? He was the. I think he was a fitness salt. He was this physio guy. I can't remember what it was now. And um, and you you said who's that? And I saw it's it's the player who came to Seagulls over London. He's one of the staff, and you seem taken aback by the fact that a member of the well, fairly key staff was just chatting to random fans. And we have kept an essence of that. I, we have become a lot more corporate, for sure. Peter's mm. right. But but it's um, it's charged by the fact that we've got Paul Barber in charge. I, I know ex-Tottenham Connections, you probably won't approve. And he is a Spurs fan, actually, originally. But but he is a damn, damn good CEO. He's he's amazingly good. It's so, so good at dealing with people. To keep him from the sound of it. I mean, he's been linked with... Other jobs yeah. like now moved up to deputy chairman, doesn't he? It's like one of his jobs, doesn't he? But effectively. Yeah, that's right. So he's we had to like I think the FA. There's like been big clubs after as well. And it's I mean it's amazing. It's a really kind of like passing for Tony Boom. Still kept him and Paul Barber's so engaged in everything. The it's about get it's about getting the balance right. And for me with Arsenal, David Dean that era, David yeah. Dean was driving the club, wasn't he? Essentially. Mm-hmm. And he had a very close working relationship with Arsene Wenger. But aside from that, he, he, he was clearly had his fingers on the pulse with all of the various elements that were necessary to run the club properly. And yeah. to me, look, the outsider looking in, it looked like when he left was when things started to go downhill. Do, do you reckon that's about right? I'd say so, yeah. I think he's a big loss, um, has been a big loss mm. for Arsenal. It's, um, 
you know, I think within the club, he sort of uh, controlled like the culture of it to a certain extent and made sure that, you know, the club knew who it was and what it was supposed to be. But then his connections outside, you know, just in the world of football generally is something I think Arsenal have lost. And, um, you know, I used to be a a steward at Arsenal um, for a number Mm. of years. And I remember one of my first games there, David Dean was still there and he was he was walking around the perimeter of the pitch saying hello to all the stewards and you know welcoming people into the into the stadium and that and I thought it was brilliant you know and it was it was real it was a real kind of um kind of almost like a a, a family atmosphere at the club but yeah. um not long after he left a few years later I remember um as a steward being told basically don't talk to the players like don't don't you know they're separate so you That's have you, the difference, you isn't it? To talk to them. You're not going yeah, really, allowed to talk to them, tell them what to do, or you know, yeah. I, th- I think the the big thing is if you're, I understand that obviously a lot of clubs are going to get owned by you know, investments by foreign investments, and I and I completely get that. I don't I don't want to pick that for Albion, but if it happened, I'd accept it. But the difference is, I think when you can tell whether where whether it's going to be this or not, whether because people who invest from overseas will either bring their own mates in as their own as like staff, in which case they're probably not going to be like popular, or they're mm-hmm. going to bring in people who know about football as their staff, and they're going to then probably like listen to what mm-hmm. they say, and that's yeah. the big difference I think between the two. Do you bring your mates in or your your family in or everyone mm-hmm. put them in like roles that they have absolute experience of, or do you actually give them a, you know? Give the roles to people like I like Brighton have done with even ignoring Toby with Paul Barber and Dan Ashworth like that, who actually know football and know their stuff, and that's fine because even if you're owned by a foreign investor, if they're if they're happy to invest and you've got like people who actually know the stuff about football in charge, that could be a really good you know really good way for its success. But if they then give their jobs to people who they know or family friends or you know who are from the local area who don't have any idea about the culture of this football. And it sounds, and I know people talk about countries and football a lot, but it is a big thing. Football is such a big thing over here, and I don't think a lot of countries understand it. I don't think it's not. It's quite different to you know America or China, where sports is basically kind of a lot of its franchise. It's a very mm-hmm. different thing, and people and sometimes people don't understand that logic. And it, I and think it, COVID has has kind of stripped that back and has made it plainly obvious, hasn't it? A lot more actually. I think you know. It's like, like you say, it's is a big, like, it's a cultural thing. It really is a cultural thing over here. And I think what they don't understand is that a person's football club here really is, it's almost a part of you, part of your personality and your identity. And um, I don't think that's the same case in, in the US. You know, they, they love their sport, and but they like the spectacle of the sport. And yeah. that's the sense I get a lot more than the kind of the real, the passion um, for 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 your club that um, football fans have over here. And it's a big difference. Hmm. And I think also we've, we've done some non-league specials. We had Worthing, my own hometown club, and a couple of others we've done focuses on. And I think for those that are getting disenfranchised with football at a higher level, mm. people are tapping into non-league and lower league clubs a lot more now. They're mm. really starting to go back to the essence of what drove them in the first place. And it doesn't seem to matter how low that is, how poor the football is even. Not that I'm saying Worthing play a good brand of football, by the way. It's not I'm not talking about them. But yeah, for other clubs, it might be a, a hoof and chase game. But it, it's about the dynamic. It's about the, the ambience of the club. It's about the giving of shitness, ultimately. Yeah. And I think with David Dean, he gave a shit. Paul Barber does give a shit. He's not a Brighton fan, but he's probably become one to a certain degree by having a long association with us yeah, ongoing. You, know, you can understand the importance to fans of the club. That's the thing. It's yeah. like if you even if you support another club, you can get the logic of that. But if you're brought in by, you know, investors from the country, from also from that country who don't understand the game, mm-hmm. then you're you you're prone to kind of issues like signing up for the European Super League, for example. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so let's get on to that then, Matthew. <laughs> I already know your views on this. You'll be glad to know, listeners, he isn't a fan of it. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> I just, I, it's a disgrace, really. The whole thing is a disgrace. And it just, like we say, it, it kind of sums up the fact that these people making these decisions really know nothing about what it means to be a football fan in this country and what it means in Europe, generally, to be a football fan. 
you know, um, I think the vast majority of um, Arsenal fans, Liverpool, Chelsea, all of that lot um, in this country want us to remain playing football in the pyramid system, the way it is, the way it works, the way it should work, you know. Um, And it's, I think, trying to kind of take what has been developed over 100 years or more um, and is a real... You know, it's it, they're, they're parts of their local communities, but basically just to pick, take that, say, well, I've bought this, and I'm going to take it, I'm going to put it over here, and tough luck. It's just, it's just so wrong. On, <laughs> it's just awful that it was allowed to even get as far as it did. Um, yeah, and I've no doubt that they'll try again in a few years. That's why I yeah. think all of these clubs need, and I think you know, the Arsenal Supporters Trust are really pushing for this is for. Um, a, a level of kind of fan ownership or at least fan representation um, on uh, the boards of, of Premier League football clubs like they have in Germany. And I know it's not a perfect system, but, you know, it means at least fans are heard. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at Liverpool, they've got a, a difficult but working relationship with the owners, haven't they? They've, they've, they've basically, to put it bluntly, they've fucked up a few times. Yeah. And, but they've come back and re- recognised the problem, addressed it, engaged with the fans and they've moved on and that's why they've been able to stay in charge and stay successful um see uh, there, there was a major rise in ticket prices there was something uh there, there was a furloughing of staff there was various issues where they've screwed up and mm. then they've come back and been able to reconcile chelsea and city are obviously in a different position because they're in in fear of missing out was part of the yeah, motivation for them. Back up, weren't they? Not really that interested. Yeah, but... they weren't essentially driving it, were they? And they've they've obviously they've both taken care of the fact that they actually do care. They're throwing money at their clubs, but they do care about the fans. Man, that Man City have developed the whole of East Manchester. They've put a lot of investment into the local area. It's not just about the football. Chelsea, Abramovich, yeah, maybe maybe not so much. But he, he, you know, he cares about the club and he wants them to do well and he wants to be liked by the Chelsea fans. Mm. So they've, it's not a surprise they're the first two to pull out. I'm glad Arsenal recognised the situation fairly early on. The disturbing ones, of course, are Manchester United, whose owners are the most cynical of the lot, if you ask me. Mm. Uh, well, along with Real Madrid's owner. Um, they still uh, pull out as well. Like, are Real Madrid still going ahead by themselves? Yeah, well, Real Madrid, yeah. Barcelona and Juventus, and the three have not pulled yeah. out, apparently. That's mad. Yeah. And Juventus is <laughs> being like, chucked out of Serie A as well if they don't do it by the end of the season. Like, yeah. oh. It's like that film about the Japanese soldier on an island, isolated from the rest of the world after World War II, and he's still fighting the war. Though there isn't a war anymore. It's yeah. like that, isn't it? It's like these people are in a different bubble. They're completely on their own island. Yeah. An island of delusions of grandeur, saying it's the only way to save football. It's the exact opposite of saving football. Yeah. I found really positive about the whole experience, though, is mm. obviously a lot of the time you can imagine that the, the big six, are, you know, it, feel, it feels a very different world for you guys to us, basically. But actually, mm. you realize when it comes down to it, it's the same world. You guys all want to watch your team play in the English Premier League, Yes, you're going to get into Europe and that sort of thing as well. But when it comes down to it, the idea suddenly came out that you were like going to like pull out, of, you know, be forced out of the English League because of this ridiculous concept. And people came out in force. They, and the fans turned these owners because I don't think they, I think they knew they'd get backlash from generally, but I don't think they thought they'd get backlash from their own fans. And mm. they were shocked by that. And that's what they pulled out. And I'm, it's so positive that every single sports group of all of the big six was like this is terrible. Everyone, all like all fans I've seen who you know proper fans were like this is an awful idea. I don't think anyone's really said it was a good idea from the big six, barring their owners. Even the managers and the players were saying it was a bad idea, and they're yeah. the ones who are paid by the owners. It was it was really positive to see the reaction to these money grabbing bastards, basically kind of getting like kind of get being told. Yeah, it was it was overwhelming, wasn't it, Peter? Um, Matthew, I know you very well. And I feel very comfortable to say that I I fancy dropping an e. Uh, that's the, the, uh, it's the e-word entitlement. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> accuses Arsenal of being entitled, and and other fans as well of some yeah. of the big clubs. Doesn't this almost swing it right back the other way? The fact that you are, I think, typical, with with the exception of one fan of any of the big six clubs that I've spoken to who happens to be an Arsenal fan by unlucky chance. 
Um, every single other fan of any of the big six, and I'm talking about fans I've spoken to who are Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Arsenal. Um, I'm not sure if... I, yeah, City as well. I've spoken to one or two City fans. They've all said they're against it uh, wholesale. 100% they're against it. So by essence, doesn't that really mean you're not entitled? Because you, you understand the concepts, the logics, the, the traditions the importance of structure, the pyramid and all that stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I, I would never said Arsenal would ever say Arsenal fans are entitled. Uh, you know, <laughs> I had this, You know uh, people do, though, don't you? Yes, I know. Uh, was it Robin after the last... Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you do Hello, Robin, if you're listening. <laughs> or eighth, which is quite entitled from our side. You must see that logic that, you know, you guys complain about finishing eighth and we're in Premier League and we're yeah. like, where we finished like bottom, almost second bottom of the football league at one point. You, can, yeah. you must see the point. Obviously, you you, might, you wouldn't see it from your side, but from our side, you must see that that seems entitled. Yeah, I, I, I get I get why that would seem entitled, but at the same time, I think it's about it comes down to kind of expectations and what expectations you have of your club and your team based on largely based on the history, both recent history and and older. Um, and uh, I think, you know, say if, if Brighton were to be relegated um, and, you know, you might say, OK, well, you know, we, we had a good good run of it, but we want to get back into the Premier League. You'd expect, you know, the next season at least to be finishing in the playoffs. And if you didn't finish in the playoffs, you know, would you not feel that's that's a terrible outcome? And then would, would it be fair for Wickham Wanderers fans to say, well, you're entitled Brighton fans? Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get you. Hundred percent agree with that. Someone lower down who probably regards you as entitled. In, in I get the, the point. And mm-hmm. yes, and us finishing when we were like bottom of the league would regard ourselves as being entitled. We complain about finishing eighth in the championship. Yeah, I, I get the point there. The fair yeah. Point. Hmm. So, so yeah. So Arsenal fans aren't entitled, Russell. Just to sum up. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted. I wanted you I to have the... the point. You're saying what? I think what actually you're saying is that all football fans are entitled. It's just, you know, <laughs> maybe that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we all feel entitled to do something, to do whatever X or Y or Z, but then, and there'll be someone lower down to judge you, unless you're literally in the bottom team, in which case it's like kind of in the whole football structure, in which case you must, you wouldn't be entitled. I'll tell you what we are entitled to. We're entitled to have decent owners, whether we're big clubs or small clubs. You look at what's happened to, uh, to uh, Barry in the last couple of years, Steve yeah. Dale a cynical asset-stripping, multi-asset-stripping bastard, basically. And and he's still ripping that club off. He's ripping them out from the inside, no, from the outside in. Well, the inside out, one of those two anyway. He, people like that. And then you, you've got people at the very other end of the scale. You've got Florentino Perez, or whatever his name is. And he, he's just essentially doing the same thing. He's only got his own... Football there, Russ, you know. Mm, yeah, he's, he's only got his own interests. I mean, yeah, he is a football guy, unlike Steve Dale, who didn't even know if they had a football team in in, in Barry. But but you know, there's, there's cynicism, there's there's asset strippers, there's opportunists at every level of football, and I think we all have to keep things in proportion. I like to think that Arsenal fans are not entitled. They're, they're, yeah, you'll get ahead of yourselves once in a while in a, in a certain situation, but generally you're not. I don't think as entitled as people think you are. There are a lot who get very upset when they lose to Brighton, should we say, from the three games we've beaten you. Well, I mean, team, Arsenal like fans TV, for example, doesn't take it very well. Oh, Arsenal fan TV. Hashtag <laughs> Those, teams like Brighton. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, that anything... Uh, I, I just see, you know, there's people who are like, famous on Twitter and famous on YouTube and, and things like that. They're... they're, they're not the kind of fans that you meet generally. The fans I, I know. I was, I was using it as a kind of like example of like hyperbolism and stuff. I wasn't. Matthew, we're we're all really football know, fans. We can't stand people. We can't well, stand people that talk and talk and talk and like the sound of their own voices. Oh, hang on a minute. Hold on, we're doing a podcast, <laughs> aren't we? This isn't good. Yeah, who, who would record themselves talking on some sort of like podcast <laughs> out to people? I mean, that's just. <laughs> <laughs> But no, joking aside, though, yeah, I mean, we all want the better good, don't we, for football in the end. And yes, we've got different aspirations. We've got different status. You pick your club, or do you even pick your club at all? But if you do, you pick it on, basically, if if you've got any sense, you pick it on a certain criteria. You know, it's 
where you're from, it's where you moved to and spent a time you loved, or it's your parents or whatever it is, yeah, whatever the, the criteria are involved. And you just stick with it. And that's the essence of being a football fan in England, whether you're a massive club or not. You're, you're just a football fan. I'm just a football fan. We all are, whether we support Arsenal, Brighton, or, you know, or Worthing FC or whoever it is up and down the land. There's proportional scale. There's proportional expectations that should be expected. Mm-hmm. But in the end, we just want our club to be run suitably for the context of the size we are as a club. And and to be fair, I think I'm probably, I probably do judge people based on the, the club, but certainly like Man U, that sort of thing, in terms of the, you know, like living in London growing up, I've got a lot of Man U fans who've never been to Manchester. But there are Man U fans who've been there through thick, you know, they're relatively thick or thin. Uh, no, I'm I'm very blinker when it comes to Man United. Absolutely, yeah, there is. I mean, there are horrible lot. <laughs> like you know, even if you're a big club, City fans obviously were there when you know. Well, I think I think judging by Twitter the last few days, a lot of them have been there since like about half an hour ago when it's like winning. Games. Yeah, a lot of them have also been there since they won. You know, were winning the playoffs in what's now League One. You know, so there are a lot of them who are still around them, but also there are a lot of entitled people as well who've jumped on board since they started winning but just because you're from somewhere that's an area successful doesn't mean you shouldn't you're not a proper football fan and obviously you you're a syndic holder you're you know you're not the, the yeah you're not the issue the issue is people who support maybe big six who aren't connected and regard the you know losing to brighton is quite offensive and you know mm. oh my god we lost to brighton it's a joke you know brighton are terrible they just did this and did that and city fans have shown themselves to be quite we say like quite bad in that sense over the last few days. Mm. It's been very, very. There's been some quite offensive things said about Brighton. And it's like, well, you you've won the league already. Why are you getting so arsy about it? Yeah. But I mean, that's that's the thing about and the thing I love about the, the Premier League is that anyone can beat anyone yeah. on their day, and that's the great thing about about football generally, you know. And that's the great thing. You know, my favourite competition is the FA Cup. Actually, it's not the Champions League or. Mm. What any kind of European yeah. format competition. The FA Cup is brilliant because it makes, you know, Spurs or Arsenal or even Brighton go and play, you know, basically in someone's garden. And it's... And, it's just, you know, <laughs> yeah, and that's the one really, with the numbers on the back fence. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I can't remember who that was. But that was fantastic. You know. Green or someone? Green, yeah, yeah, green. yeah, that was it. That was brilliant, yeah. But that's, that's the stories. That's what's making us smile right now, talking about it, isn't it? The FA Cup, and we're as guilty as anyone else because we play... Relatively mm. backup teams. Yeah. We don't play our first choice team in the FA Cup since we've been Premier League. Those are the stories. That's the where the stories come. It's really sad because I remember growing up watching football. My, my first memories of the FA Cup final, and literally from 10 a.m. in the morning of the FA Cup, which is always Saturday at 3 p.m. It was never like mm. these weird times that it is now. It was like Saturday at 3 p.m. on its own, no other games, and it was like, it built up from like 10 a.m. on grandstand, and they were like starting off then and talking about all the different te- the teams and. The, the big points and it's like that's really lost now it's really sad because it was it is my favourite cup as well trophy as well because it's like it was such a great thing and growing up watching Brighton when we were in lower leagues the idea that we drew Liverpool or Man U or Arsenal was a huge thing it was like massive obviously it's, it's not less it's less interesting now you play them in the league anyway but until like even four years ago we were like drawing I don't know, Arsenal away in FA Cup or home was a big thing yeah and, you know it's like it doesn't feel like you know, a lot of in, in when I was growing up, they play their first team and they turn up and properly, and it would get coverage somewhere. And it wouldn't be like you know now it's like Premier League teams, including Brighton, play their reserve teams. And I get it because the number of games and because like the squads, but it is still quite sad that it's lost its way. And especially the final when it's like put in a number of you know it's among a number of Premier League games when it was its own thing on a Saturday, three p.m. Saturday, big game. It was the game, only game of the day, and it was like built up for like five hours before it was such a big thing right then, yeah the set the set piece occasion is it, itself has been moved yeah but from the traditional time that in itself is like within a lot of premier league games basically and it it's quite sad it's lost mm-hmm. it's kind of like special but obviously it wasn't it was very special after the end of the one it for the first time it was amazing for their fans who were there and their fans generally but in terms of like the football occasion it's not quite the same these days well, and I think, again, you can blame Man United for that. I think Man United are basically just, you get rid of them and football will be all right again. But, um, you know, do you remember when Alex Ferguson pulled Man United out of the FA Cup? Sorry, what was that, Peter? Get rid of Leeds as well. That would be good. And then, 
But but yeah, but, Man United pulled themselves out for that club no, tournament, didn't they? For a year. Yeah. Yeah, no, you just don't do you just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah awful, awful team, Man United. Terrible hate them. I don't know if, <laughs> if Sean listens to your podcast, who you sometimes have had on, but um, we, yes. we I, I went so you know, obviously, I went to school with and that was Sean, but Man United fan living in London. Hmm. Yeah, well, mm. I, was gonna, I went to school. Plastics, <laughs> plastics. <laughs> the combination was Arsenal fans and Man U fans. Obviously, Arsenal fans were local supporting their, their you know, obviously a big team, but it's for a local team. And Man U fans who'd never been to Manchester in life and just like randomly picked them because they were winning everything. And it was just like, well, that's. I mean, not... people, Albion fans hate Man United fans and the like because at school in Brighton, you'd have Man United fans galore. Uh, not just them, it's other clubs as well, obviously, mm-hmm. at Liverpool. There might have been some Arsenal fans, probably, I don't know. But the point is that, you know, it, was, it, was, it wasn't the local club. And there was, oh, yeah, who do you really support? No, Brighton is the team I support. That's what yeah. I hear a lot of. There's a generation of fans who are now Brighton fans, staunchly. But there was a generation before yeah, it. Like that, Lewis, Lewis like, Dunk's a Chelsea well. fan. I got that, and I'd also be like, well, I support Barnet as well, I suppose. So now I'm really trying to put people off. They're kind of like <laughs> <laughs> Peter wasn't glutton for punishment enough. He went to as well. They often follow Barnet and go there quite a lot. So uh, and that would shut someone up quite quickly. <laughs> I wasn't going to give a big club. I keep going down the sketch down the like line or whatever, and end up with like you know kind of back know, to Wingate and Finchley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> further down from that, and it's like yeah, I just give up on this point. I'm not a I'm not a big club supporter. I don't give a shit. I, I like watching Brighton. Well, you're you're a big club supporter now, Peter. Well, Definitely, like, yeah. He's a glory hunter now. One of the 16 biggest clubs in the country, and yeah, uh, yeah I, live, I live near Charlton, who are like nowhere near that now. When they were like when I was growing up, much bigger clubs. So crazy times. Yeah, there I we go. Club, really, shouldn't I? Well, much as I'd love to keep this this beer fueled banter fest going forever, we'd probably better wrap it up there. Except to say, predictions at least for Sunday. I feel like we predictions look- exactly. Sunday, four o'clock kickoff. We caught all the games at the same time. We need to beat you guys and yes. hope that Liverpool do the business which they need to do for the top four by beating Palace. If that happens, we finish above Palace despite all the angst, all the missed opportunities. We could finally sneak in at the very last moment. You can see how delicious, from our point of view, that would be. Yeah. Obviously, well, I think Liverpool will probably beat Palace. We don't know for sure. Let's assume that happens. Are we going to be happy bunnies come Sunday evening, Matthew? Honestly and from the heart, what are your two predictions you can give two here? Okay, so we have a lot to play for as well. We've got got potential European qualification with the European Conference League. Yeah, so you've got to avoid that, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to avoid that. However, <laughs> Spurs as well, and they're playing Leicester City, who are oh, no. on for the Champions League spot. So, yes. you know, if we win and Spurs lose, we finish above them for the first time in about four or five seasons. So, you know, a lot riding on it for us as well. However, given recent history with Brighton, I just have a feeling that it's going to happen again. You're gonna, we're gonna have, we're gonna have fans in the stadium for the first time all season. So hopefully, that will give Arsenal a little boost. But I just have a feeling that Brighton are going to um, pull one out of the bag again. So two one Brighton. Two one Brighton. Okay, okay, fantastic. Love it. Yeah. I'll and maybe, maybe I'm just reverse jinxing it though, Russell. You know. I know. I know what you're doing. I know what you're yeah. doing, yeah, Peter. <laughs> Matthew's saying about not only are we like we could both finish above our rivals, but we also are relying on the same set of area of games as well. Because Leicester, we're relying on Liverpool, you're relying on Leicester. Yeah. So it's actually the two teams competing for the same position, pretty much, or or the same two positions that Chelsea lose. So it's ironic that we're both relying on the same two teams to win, the same area to win as well, Champions League qualification to win to like help us as well. I I think because football is. Basically, a dead. I, I reckon it'll be a draw, which will help neither of us. <laughs> it's guaranteed to happen. We'll be a one-all draw that won't, you know, maybe we'll guarantee us like 16th and we'll guarantee you 8th or whatever, but it won't help either of us finish above our rivals. And 
that's just like the way football works. So we'll we'll all be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the way football goes, isn't it? The results will go our way, but it'll be the way of the team who's leading, and then they will. The other team will equalise later on to then mean both lose out, and it's they're both fucked basically. I'm going to go one all as well. Am I reverse jinxing? Am I not, Matthew? I don't know, but I'm going to go for one all. (laughs) Not sure one all reverse jinxing. (laughs) (laughs) We're out out jinxing each other, and if. If it is one all, it'll be you'll probably equalise in the ninetieth minute as well, just to make it more annoying. None of us predicted Brighton losing in a game where we probably will lose. Yeah, so we'll lose then. I hope I hope Matt Ryan starts and he goes up for a corner in the ninetieth minute and scores a winner. (laughs) (laughs) But he he set one he set one up to our benefit earlier in the season. Do you want to sign Matt Ryan permanently and would you like Basuma if he for say forty million if he was available for that sort of thing? I would mm. both those questions, yes and yes. I think both would be great signings for us. Yeah, point. definitely. I think I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's always been a real kind of whenever I've seen Brighton play recently, a real standout player for you. And um yeah, I think he'd he'd suit Arsenal and suit what we need quite a lot. Would he replace Partey or would he be alongside Partey? He seems to have not quite he was brilliant at Atletico, but not quite lived up to it at Arsenal. Yeah, he. I don't know if it's if the system doesn't suit him. Maybe, but maybe he needs someone like Basuma alongside him um, to kind of you get the most out of him. Then maybe, but yeah, I, he's not been um, anywhere near as impressive as I'd hoped he would be. Anyway, yeah, he seemed like he did. He's brilliant in Spain, but and in Europe, but he didn't seem. Yeah, he's not quite hit the ground. But then a lot of players do take a year if they come from overseas, especially in this situation. Like, you know, it must be really hard to settle over here. Yeah. You're a player coming from, from like, mainland Europe or from South America in a situation generally. But when it's, like, a situation like this year, where you can't visit people, you can't go back home, you can't have people come over here, it's it must be really tough. You forget about the kind of the situation of moving away from, like, where you mm. that sort of thing. It must be really tough. Yeah, that, that kind of personal kind of... Um, the kind of mental side of, of just being... A person, I guess. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, I think football know. fans forget that. You know, it's yeah. they forget that. You know, it's not just like about football; it's about people are human as well. Yeah, they, they are, and they're away from home. They've moved away maybe for the first time, and you're putting a lot of expectation on someone because mm-hmm. they cost, you know, ten, twenty, thirty million. But actually, they are just human, and it's it, it's easy to forget that bit. Yeah, it is. I, I'm feeling a little bit um, kind of. Uh, Odd because Russell's disappeared. Are we are we in charge of the podcast now? Yeah, no, like, <laughs> crafty beer monster's gone, and uh, <laughs> we can finally say what we really think about him. Yeah, God, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll be, he'll, he'll be listening to it back now, won't he? Shocking. He's probably still got his earpiece in, so he's hearing. <laughs> yeah, um, Russell has finally <laughs> left the podcast, and now he's back. <laughs> and yes, I was listening in. I was very discreetly going to the toilet. I was hoping none of you would notice, but uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but no, I agree with everything everybody said. Uh, yes, I'm sure that's right. And um, about you being a dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> that goes without saying, of course. Podcast finally descended into like kind of insults. Now it's it's basically moved to like North Stand chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You don't want to know about that. It's Arsenal TV in written form, in case you're wondering, Matthew. I, I know North Stand's chat from, from you um, talking about it. Oh, really? It. Did I tell you about that? Hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> quite something. It's, it's like a localised uh, Google search thing as well. It's brilliant. Bernie's joined the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie, Bernie is basically a polar bear uh, that's just appeared on the screen. <laughs> Also known as a cat, but looking rather massive, actually, yeah. I have to say. Yeah, brilliant. Well, on that note, I, I wish you the very worst of luck at the weekend, Matthew. Thank you, so if you want to come... I really hope your prediction comes true. <laughs> yes, so do I. Yeah, thanks for that. And if, <laughs> if you want to, you'd be welcome to join us for a post-match chat. If not, maybe we're, we're doing a, a... By the way, just to, to mention for everyone out there, we're going to do a summer quiz tournament. 
the Euros are on. Euro 2020 is on in 2021. But we're going to do our own tournament, and it is going to be the, the Quiz 21 tournament. I've just made that name up. It's very shit. We'll work on that. Would it be going around um, Europe, though, and like having different <laughs> Contributors to the podcast, quick rapid-fire questions, uh, head-to-heads, knockout tournament. You up for it, Matthew? Yeah, sounds good. Count me in. Right, you're in, you're in. You're one <laughs> of the 16. <laughs> it's official. First person signed up for the Euros. Do we, do we, get, okay. do we get to pick a team who we'll, we'll be representing? Well, you just represent yourself, but if you, you can call it Arsenal if you want. I don't mind. Yeah, for the Euros, you know, international teams, really. We should be doing a... Well, you, you've got Italian blood, you've got Irish mm-hmm. blood, you've got yeah. a bit of English as well, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a mixture of... Well, English is going to be pretty commonplace, so I think you've got to go Ireland or or Italy then, really. Or Ireland, isn't it? Not 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 Republic, are they? No, no, they're not. They're not in the Euros, but they're in they're in this because you're in it. Oh right, fair enough. What I mean. hmm. yeah. If you want to be, you yeah, won't no. have any Italians in there, so you can be Italy if you prefer. I'll, I'll be Italy. Yeah, I'll be Italy. Oh, you would. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am. I'm, in, I'm entitled. So. Uh, that's, uh... <laughs> You're going to sit there and like think about it for like 10 minutes while time wasting to answer it. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be very defensive. Yeah. yeah. You, you might come out, you might come out with a few perlows of wisdom, though. Yeah. Excellent. You can always get someone to headbutt you in like injury time and win the game through penalty instead. Like it. Or just get, just get bitten by random Uruguayans. That's okay as well. You can do that sort of thing. Italy have had a lot of weird, those weird things in games. Like, when yeah. you start talking about them, it's... plus corruption as well. And all yeah. that stuff. it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's just yeah. part of Italian life generally. That's it just... <laughs> sound really boring, actually. <laughs> well, at the risk of rambling on for hours longer than we should have done due to beer infusion, um, we'd probably better wrap it up there, Peter. Yeah. Matthew. Thank you very much for joining yeah, us for this lovely yeah, really preview. It. It's the end of the season. Oh, what a crazy season as well it's been. Have you enjoyed it? And what are your what are your thoughts for next season? Me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, I, have I enjoyed this season? Not so much. It's been... Um, I've, do you know what? Having football during lockdown has been... Just has been a bit of a lifesaver, even though Arsenal have been pretty poor this season. It's just been nice to have something. Um, yeah. But I do hope Arsenal are significantly better next season. I am always hopeful. I think as an Arsenal fan, if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's be hopeful. We'll have a better season next year. And and a final quick question. If you lose to us next season, if we if we're both going to the game of the Emirates, are you going to show up in the pub afterwards this time? I showed up last time, Russell. You just took forever to get to the pub, <laughs> <laughs> so I left. <laughs> Your mates were still in there. I'm just yeah, saying. No. <laughs> 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 <Good> title. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so on that note, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But on that note, we'll round it off. So, Peter, in the usual way, we shall say. Stand or fall. Up the Albion. (laughs) Right, we're back. There's an extra. Matthew, who's an Arsenal fan, was not happy with the level of digging, i.e. the lack of level of digging at Spurs. Go on, Matthew. What what do we want? Kane's on his way out, isn't he? Quick word about that. Hilarious Arsenal fan, Arsenal absolutely fan. hilarious. Uh, you know, he he's in, in the last few weeks, he has been just pissed out of by absolutely everyone. Um, so it's time for him to go and that'll be good. Son will probably go as well, and um, I reckon Brighton will finish above Spurs next season. Oh, I love it. We've got to get Ollie on the podcast, yeah, and Spurs fan, really good as well. You know, you're having like your anti-Spurs thing, but also playing to your audience, which is really nice. I, I know what I'm doing, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> what you're not saying, we're also going to finish by Arsenal as well. Because we're apparently XG, we're going to finish like fifth or something like that. <laughs> when, we we say... Kane, when we get Kane, we're going to finish fifth. Yeah. <laughs> rumours of rumours of Graham Potter to Spurs is one of the, one of the favourites, isn't he? Why is would that you a go? step down? Step yes. down? Yes, of course that's a step down. <laughs> 
Why, why would anyone in their right mind want to go and manage Spurs? It's... <laughs> would you pay Zuma to Arsenal to step down as well? Pardon me? What, if you came to Arsenal? Well, yeah, would you say Zuma to Arsenal to step down as well? Oh, no, no, of course not. He's, you know, he's making a career for himself to come to Arsenal. Come to the big boys. <laughs> as long as Graham Potter doesn't move in as manager, or you'd be OK with Graham Potter? No, as no, I, I think for us, stick with Arteta for now. I'm, I'm, uh, I think give him another season, see what he can do. Hmm. Be, yeah, be throwing the um, baby out of the bathwater at the moment if we got rid. Okay, yeah. keeping on the Spurs theme. Yeah. 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 On, Peter. Well, like you've already got Batty Ryan with one of our reserves. You fancy someone like Jahan Batch or uh, Bernardo or mm. something like that? You know who could? Like... Matt, Matt Ryan was was your reserve for about five minutes, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a big Ryan fan, but I thought I'd try, you know, Jahan Batch is really great. You know, we've got also got Andone. And we've got quite a few reserves that you could be up yeah, for. Yeah, Licardi is good, isn't he, Peter? Oh, yeah. yeah. is setting the MLS alight, so, you know, you should definitely go for him. Well, the shambles that is Arsenal's scouting network, they'll probably will come <laughs> one or two of them uh, before the... I'm Cincinnati FC, because if they are... They should be looking at Lacardia, who comes occasionally on the bench. Apparently, I'm sure. I'm sure they're all listening to this podcast, and um, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be taking you up on that. Focus on I'm going to tag them all in on Twitter now. <laughs> We'd accept, I think, probably to be fair. Hot topics on Matt Ryan. I'm sure we'll look at it. I've got a feeling he's the type that would. Hello, Matt, if you're listening. <laughs> but no, we're supposed to be having a dig at Spurs here. We've, yeah. we've steered it away. Come on, you've got to have some more quick digs. You've got you've got another two minutes. Go for it. Uh, just, what we say about Spurs? Just they're shit. Just that's it. Like, they're <laughs> they, not even able. They, they can't go Spursy this year because they're not they, screwing. They've got nothing to screw up, have they? That's the problem at the moment. No, they're just they. They were singing. They were singing. The other, apparently, in the ground the other day, they're singing. We want our Tottenham back. So like, you've got your Tottenham back. This is Tottenham. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! It's only if you're listening to this, we do apologise. <laughs> And then they fucked it up quite massively, as they always do. But they, they were at one point in the Mourinho top when they were playing well, football, but somehow top of the league. And now, yeah. they're, now they're eighth or whatever it is or something like that. Well, they, they won the league in November, didn't they? First, first team to ever do it. <laughs> I Brittany, find, have I you been... Say, you, you guys at least have won stuff, although I find it quite amusing about you as well. But Spurs have not won anything for ages, and yet somehow are in a European Super League. Oh, that's a joke, isn't it? Was that? No. You guys also, to be fair, you can't, you've won a, a lot more recently, but you also haven't won much, haven't got top four for a while. I found it very weird that the European Super League included teams that were in the positions that you guys were, and especially Spurs, who've won nothing for a long time. Well, you know, Arsenal have pedigree at least, but Spurs, yeah. like, they've literally... the best thing they've won in the last 20 years is the League Cup, you know. But that's it. Yeah. There are, there is the league since 71, is it? Something they won the league since? 61. We won it in 71, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Size-wise, they are a big club, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, if you haven't won the trophies, how do you place that in terms of big clubs? I don't, I don't yeah. quite know how to measure it. There's different ways to measure it. You can't be the biggest, one of the 20 biggest in Europe if you've not won your league for 60 years. That's <laughs> Physically impossible. I mean, how is that even thought of as being part of it? And it is only down to money. And it's a thing. That was the thing I know against European Super League. It wasn't about the big clubs. It was about the clubs who were bringing the most money in. It was never about football or anything like that. It was about exactly. money. And Tottenham and Tottenham's proven to a degree more than anyone else, probably, to be honest. It's yeah. all driven by that, isn't it? Florentino, Paris, you know, it's about money. They've, mm. they've squandered money. They've ripped off the Spanish public um, several times through the government, and they're still they're still saying they want more. For Spurs, it's about jumping on the bandwagon, isn't it? I really hope they win at the weekend and and stop Real winning their in the league because oh, I really want Atleti to win. I know you've got an Atleti top, haven't you, Matthew? Yeah, I do, yeah, that'd be great. But the Spurs were only invited um, so that we could have a North London derby. That's it. Like, they're only invited. <laughs> 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 oh, God. Uh, yeah, well, it's fair enough. I mean, yeah, you can have a dig and, and please do. Yeah. That's the end of the sentence, actually. I haven't got any more to the <laughs> sentence. That was it. <laughs> I like the forum. Yeah, they're, just, they're just terrible, aren't they? And that's um, that's good. <laughs> have you, as a season ticket holder, have you been to the Tottenham Stadium? By the way, not to the no, I haven't, I haven't been to the Tottenham Stadium. I went to, I've seen 
Arsenal play Spurs at Wembley. But I, n- I never went to White Hart Lane either, actually. Hmm. But, uh, Can I just say that it's really good because we've been kind of trying to get a really unbiased view about Tottenham on the show. And it's really good to have a totally kind of like unbiased view of their, of yeah. their club and the general kind of like. <laughs> struggle with that a lot and we wanted to kind of get someone who really didn't have any issue either way what's a yeah. bit anti-Tottenham and is, no, this is very totally kind of middle of the line doesn't give a shit either way yeah this is generally like just how I you know how I see it how I read the situation there's no emotion going into yeah, this there's no, there's no bias no. <laughs> not at all not at all absolutely and on that basis, I think we've got to get Ollie in as your competitor in this uh, in this quiz tournament. Oh, that's got to be Arsenal v Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you'll win, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> he probably his, his football knowledge is probably far far greater than mine. But um, fine, Tottenham have to win something. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll we'll see. <laughs> anyway, that's us over again. Then that that was a lovely little podcast. Well, thanks for that, sure. Russell. I appreciated that. That was nice. No problem. You wanted to get it off your chest, didn't you? <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.